Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Talk shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then blue bump. The glory holds like a, a like big theater. I imagine you're gonna. Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Welcome to another episode of By the By. We're here with a very special guest today. It is, uh, we're going to be speaking with Cooper S. Beckett. He's the author of uh, the novels A Life Less Monogamous and My Life on the Swing Set. And we're going to be speaking to him today about his newest book, Approaching the Swingularity. And you may also know him from the podcast Life on the Swing Set. Yep. Which is one that I know many of us listen to religiously. Yep. yep. Uh, so welcome, Cooper. Yes, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And Religiously, uh, eh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And we're very excited to be speaking to you today about the book. So, Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to say giddy. I'm a little giddy. Yeah. Um, it's, giddy? Yeah, wow. It, it, it's pretty late here in Sydney, and I know it's, it's relatively early uh, over in the States where you are, um, so I'm hoping you're as punch drunk as we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just very different um, uh, ends of that spectrum. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> You're wiping the sleep from your eyes and we're... Yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm kind of losing control of this already because I'm so excited. This is why I let you take control okay. of love. I'm, I'm getting starstruck. So we've uh, so Cooper Beckett was very kind enough to send us a copy of his a new book approaching the swingularity. And so for anybody who wants a quick background, like a, yep. like, and, and I'm going to not do it justice, I'm sure, but the, the, and Cooper, feel free to jump in and correct me, but it's basically following seven people and, and they're sort of people that they run into at a sexy swingers resort in Mexico, which uh, bears resemblance to, but uh, I'm not going to say, a certain place that a lot of us have either dreamt of going to <laughs> or have already been to, and some may have plans <laughs> of going to in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> <laughs> It, it is definitely heavily informed by my time in at Desire Resort in Mexico. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um, we've never been to a, a swingers resort or, or or a lifestyle event like that. Um, but I can tell you, after reading the book, it's now it's high on the list. Definitely. Well, there's still space yeah. in our November trip. Like <laughs> oh, don't tempt me. So we've discussed it already, and, and I feel like we're running to the end of the podcast already, where we plug you. Um, that there's a sexy pun. There. There's a sexy pun there. Um, oh yes, yes. But uh, we're already looking at uh, November of 2018. So yeah. this, ah, okay. this year's vacation time has already been allocated. But next year, by God, you you're gonna you're gonna meet us. You're up on the list. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> okay. So, uh, 
let's let's talk about the book a bit. You know, this is this yeah. is your third your third book. Um, it is, and it's it's awesome. It's I, I would well, highly recommend you. it. Um, I actually bought a copy for my mom so that she could read it, <laughs> so <laughs> that she could so that she could better understand. You know what what we do. Yeah, she because she knows what we do, and and we wanted her to kind of better understand how swingers interact necessarily because what people okay. think isn't always reality. Yeah. So tell oh, us absolutely. what. So, you know, what was your goal writing this book? What was like the the points that you wanted to get across for folks? Well, I so my first novel. This is my second novel, third book, but my first novel was a very simple story about a couple first exploring. Uh, swinging specifically and how um, how great it was, but also how rough it was because I wanted to make sure that I didn't sugarcoat or sand down the edges at all. And I mean, I'm clearly pro swinging, mm -hmm. but um, I recognize that there is great relationship danger in general. Right. In it. And while I was writing that one, I kept coming up with these other things I wanted to explore, like bisexuality, like um, trans sex, like mm -hmm. all these little elements, and poly specifically, the the uh, other side of non-monogamy. And I realized that all of those things would dramatically overwhelm my little simple story for the first book. And so I just kept putting uh, – no um, post-its on, on this next, the next project. And when I started this one, I realized I wanted to expand my cast. And so I took it from two main characters to seven, which is uh, um, way more <laughs> ambitious than I probably should have been. That's, that's the but deep I, end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I hit upon the idea that while on these kinds of trips, everything is heightened. You know, your, your life, your relationship, you know, most of the time when you go on vacation, you're not interacting with a lot of people in a high stakes way. <laughs> but when you go to a swinger resort, because you're actively trying to have sex with other people and meet other people, unlike most vacations, uh, <laughs> you are, you, you're dramatically turning up the volume on intensity. And I really liked how it exists in a space that's at once incredibly relaxing and incredibly stressful and incredibly sexy. And then I, I looked at it as, well, you know, when you go to these places, often you're also focused on the world outside this resort. Like you, your problems don't just stop at the vacation doors. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wrote the opening three chapters. Uh, I had not figured out what was going to be happening with Bruce at the moment. Uh, but the opening three chapters were all hot, hot sex <laughs> while people are stressing out about other things in their mind. And I think that's great. And you, you do that very well because it's – it is – I think that a lot of people who aren't familiar with the swinging polyamory community, they assume that what we do is just hang out with friends and fuck, for lack of a better word. And right. 
and the actuality of the how much is going on inside of our heads, it's it's so difficult to get out of your own head. And you oh. address that beautifully within the first chapter. It's I think that was one of those things that really kind of pulled me in because I'm always freaking out. Um, <laughs> and I know our constant listeners will Fellow know. Fellow neurotic. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> you know, our constant listeners will know that I'm one that has trouble getting out of my head. You know, I'm, I'm constantly worried about, you know, body image issues and am I doing this right and performance issues and yada, yada, yada. And it's I think that you touched on that and, and dealt with that so eloquently throughout the book um, that – I could really identify with, with, you know, the different people and the different issues that they're running, running across. Oh, well, thank you. You're very welcome. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I write very much from my perspective. So every character in this story, uh, is me in some way. And that was actually the most interesting thing about writing this for me is when I wrote the first book, I was very much the character of Ryan. Mm -hmm. And as I was getting into this, I realized that I basically fractured my psyche and gave neurotic elements of me to each of them. Like Raymond, (laughs) uh, the host of this trip is everything I felt after my divorce about how can I really tell people I know how to do relationships yeah. when yeah. clearly I have failed at relationships. And uh, Krista is my struggles with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, all these characters have me in them. And I feel like that's why I can be so mean to them. <laughs> well, on the bright and, side, they're all very likable. So that, that's good for you. Good. But you're which right. Many good. of them are quite fucked up. <laughs> but in a very well, good, you know, likable way. It's, it's so important to test characters. You know? And this is the first book that I really started writing without knowing where I was going. And I would plot out the next day as I was finishing up the last day because it's it's seven days on a resort. And so I would know what's happening for sure on Monday. I'd have kind of an idea for Tuesday and no idea beyond that. (laughs) That's great. I, I knew the overarching stories, you know, like I figured out early on this is going to be the story the lesbian couple has. This is going to be the story um, Bruce and Paige have. This is going to be Ryan and Jennifer's. But it it took surprising turns often. Um, I'm not going to go too far in because it's like the only thing in the book that's a spoiler. But one character that showed up about a third of the way through as just an extra character became the most important character yep. Yep. In, another, uh, in one of my seven lead storylines. And I hadn't even intended to write her in. Yeah. Yeah. And once I hit on where I was going, it was just like, well, of course that's it. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun to explore this way. And I, I went in with a mission. I want to um, write my love letter to a place like this. So the place is its own character. You know, the staff is its own character. I want to explore every facet of non-monogamy that I can, I can in, in this story with these characters. I want to explore 
uh, all variants of sexuality that I think I can explore in this in this area mm-hmm. with these characters, and and I wanted to make it normal, like the there are characters who in other stories would be like these are oh look this one is the token character but I wanted to just make it they they comment on they are and then past it yeah I think you did a really good job of making the characters um, both very likable and relatable but also very normal and everyday that you can look around in your everyday life and associate them with people or, or say that, yes, that, that is someone that I can see in my everyday life. You know, that, that could be my coworker or my neighbor or whoever. And it's, you can very much identify with them. I agree. Well, that's the thing about swinging, isn't it? We're, we're everybody, mm-hmm. right? You know, yep. Swingers aren't, uh, we're not different. We're just thinking about one specific thing, sexuality differently. And I I was actually just talking about that with some people on Facebook is the idea that there are huge swaths of American swingers that are very conservative and Christian. Yes. And they were asking, well, what what do we think that is about that? And I said, it's not it's it's not correlation. It has nothing to do with the fact that they are uh, conservative that makes them um, swingers. It is that. Swinging literally just encompasses uh, a, a microcosm of the rest of society. So if you're in the United States, you have a certain percentage who are religious. If you're in swinging in the United States, there is that same likely <laughs> similar percentage that is religious. It makes sense because there isn't a single unifying factor of what makes people swingers. Yeah. I Which think is it- kind of what's the most interesting thing about it. Uh, as a community, is the variance of it. I completely agree. You know, we often have people, so, you know, in, in Australia we have nude beaches, so we often have people go, oh, well, well, who goes to a nude beach? And our response is almost always, look, if you look at, if you go to the grocery store and you take, you know, the subset of the people at the grocery store and you say, okay, 10%, 10% of them are going to a nude beach, that's that's pretty accurate. You know, you look at the yeah. people at the new beach, and it's about you know, you'll see the same qualities uh, of people there that you will at a grocery store. And I think swingers clubs or, or swingers lifestyle, I should say, is it's very similar. It's everybody, every walk of life, I should say, yeah. um, participates, and that's one of the really great things about it. That's kind of one of the things that makes it so exciting is because you do get to meet people from all different walks of life and different areas that you may not otherwise meet if it weren't for that. Absolutely. So, you know, your your characters, you've already admitted that you're 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 quite mean to your characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think both of us will agree that you are quite mean to your characters, um, <laughs> both on a circumstantial level and on an emotional level. And, and you know, they, they deal with problems very believably, but you yeah. keep giving them problems. So <laughs> have you experienced firsthand all the dramas and issues that your characters experience? Or is this something yeah. that, you know, you, you've talked to folks that have had similar and you draw from that? Or how do you, where do you exactly draw from all the drama that your poor folks have to deal with? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've been doing uh, this podcast, Life on the Swing Set, since 2010. 
So I've had an opportunity to talk to so many uh, swingers and get so many different perspectives on what drama looks like and what um, what the catastrophic elements are. And I mean, there there are definitely things in here that have happened to me. The same with the first book. There are stupid ass things that I've done <laughs> that I wrote into these characters. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which ones, oh, but they are, uh, in, in this one, um, I projected forward to fears as well. Right. Like the fear at work of somehow your bosses knowing about what you've done and getting punished for it. Or, um, that person who you met, who you trusted that you really shouldn't have, you know, those, those are u- sort of universal swinger fears, and they're universal swinger fears because they happen. Yeah, sure. You know, and so I it, when basically everything in this is catalyst for change. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I find the idea and the value of change so very important, and so every one of my characters is at that threshold of change, and it it all depends on how they how they move from that threshold because it is the, the best thing for a character to encounter is a point where they can no longer continue as they were. And so when, when you throw these things at them, you know, when, when you are fired for pictures that are on a website, you can no longer continue the way you were. Right. You, you have to change. I, and I think that's not true of just your characters, but people in general. I think that you and you oh, illustrate sorry. that very well is that, you know, it, we we often will get stuck in that status quo. And it's funny because even swingers do that. You get stuck in the status quo. It's mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it's that, you know, where the magic happens is outside of your comfort zone. So try to push yourself outside of a comfort zone. Um, and I think that's that's sort of one of the the main themes that you have in your in your book is that being pushed outside of your comfort zone to find that better place, whether it's a circumstantial thing like your boss finding out and finding pictures on the internet, um, or more of a personal journey that you're trying to find something deeper about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's it's it is the most important lesson I learned in non-monogamy is to constantly be looking for growth and change because that's how you become better. And to embrace it. Don't be scared of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can be scared because I'm scared of everything, but but, (laughs) go with it. Say yes anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you are terrified. (laughs) Give give Australia a try. We have spiders the size of dinner plates. It's frightening as hell. (laughs) (laughs) I, I keep saying, push myself, Bradford, push yourself. But fuck, I'm terrified of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I digress. Spiders are a different podcast. Uh, yes, the Spider Cast. The spi- <laughs> <laughs> That's its theme song. Spider Cast. Spider Cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, you're we we touched on this a bit. Your your book has such a wide variety of both sexualities and, 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 and people in it. Um, you've already said there's, there's a lesbian couple in the book who are 
a fantastically lovable and relatable. Um, there's um, a, a, a triad of a male, female, male, or I guess I should say a female, male, male triad. Um, yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, because I, I made that so complicated that I could never remember what their deal was. <laughs> yeah. One of one of the guys is bi, one of them is gay, and the girl is straight. Yes. And so it's like it's like I I developed the royal sampler of triads, <laughs> really, I think. I, I will say, I, I really want a spin-off short story. That's my request. Of them. Of just that couple and how they got together. Because you're right, that's complicated. And and how do they work? And I want to know more about them, and I constantly wanted to know more about them. Um but, I'm adding that to my to-do list. Thank you. Way. Thank you. Put the top of the list. Top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you find it easier writing about writing from a lesbian character perspective from a gay male or, or bisexual male perspective? Oh, my God. Those were so hard. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's <clears throat> I'm very good at observing people mm-hmm. and distilling them. And I, I don't mind tooting my own horn about that, but I'm also filled with crushing self-doubt. <laughs> and it was something I had to get over in the first novel because I wrote it from a male's perspective and a female perspective. And I knew that maybe I could get to somewhere like 75% accuracy with the female perspective, but there's no way. Uh, and, and just the, the, um, the outcry when I had my my female lead Jennifer waxing the day of a party, the outcry from my female readers, because um, I have a wonderful group of of women who read the book as I write it, and uh, so it was like, okay, no, I'll change it. No, absolutely, <laughs> this is this is good. And so for this one, it was very important to me that I have. Um, readers who are representative of the groups I'm writing because I don't want to just have token characters who are there because uh, a cis white guy decided to put them there. I wanted to have uh, real well-rounded characters for each of these um, archetypes that that felt real to the people um, who live that life. And so it was extremely important to me that I have readers who are trans, who are gay, um, who are are willing to tell me when I'm wrong mm. and, you know, um, are willing to tell me when I've just misunderstood the mechanics, too, um, <laughs> because because like, you know, the the cis uh, the cis white male would it's like, OK, and then the lesbian scissored. It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, it happens occasionally, but not generally. So it's just the the, the man version of of assuming what we do. So I, I I don't believe now now I'm questioning myself, but I don't believe the lesbian scissor in the entire in the entire book. I don't remember. I it. don't recall and, and ever yeah. reading that. No, you know, it, it's there funny. is a lot of fisting, which is yes. common. Yes, yes. yes. Um, but, you know, it is I, – I totally appreciate that because, you know, if writing the, you know, like say a scissoring um, uh, passage would I, – I can see how people would look at it and go, well, that's just you, – you watched porn and so you assume that porn is mm-hmm. real. And there you go. That, and that's that's not real. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I'm very glad that you have this uh, circle of uh, 
of folks I am that too. Were, <laughs> because you know, reading the, the never once while reading the the book, um, and I will say, going into this book, I expected, and I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I have not read your first two books. Um, oh, I will hey, fix actually, that now. That's that's fascinating. <laughs> I have other questions. Then okay. go on. <laughs> um, you know, but having not read your first two books, not knowing really what to expect from it, I expected erotica, like straight erotica. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so much depth of story. Um, it, it, it's it, very complex and it really gets you thinking. And the sex is yeah. believable. It yeah. happens naturally. It's not like, oh, and then the pizza guy came and bow, tickle, bow, bow. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it, none of that. actually. Never once did I go, uh, they would totally not have sex here. <laughs> Yeah, it was completely that's, believable. That's excellent. Well, and, you know that's that's an interesting thing about swinging uh, is sometimes it does feel like a porno. <laughs> True. Yeah. But most of the time it's silly mm. and weird <laughs> and awkward, but it's awesome. And really, if I can capture the glorious awkwardness <laughs> of of sex in general, but specifically walking up to people at resorts that you don't know saying, I think you're hot. I'd love to fuck you. What do you think about that? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the most bizarre thing in the world. And, and that's really uh, what, what I so desperately want to capture Yeah, because it's not what people expect, you know? Yeah. It's a different world, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, you know, and I agree. Being able to laugh at it, being able to sort of let complex emotions distill down to, you know, something that's not terribly serious, I think is a very good thing. Uh, good advice for people. So uh, I'm curious, since you hadn't read the other books, sure, yeah. how is it going into what is essentially a sequel without having read the original? <sighs> I don't think you needed the original. No, I don't think you had to have it. I think it was very much could, can be a standalone book. If you have the the backstory of the original, then that's that's great. That's bonus. But I don't think it is necessary to understand and to get into at all what's going on. Well, you know, and, that's and I will exactly say exactly what I intended. It's it's clear that you know it's clear to me that the 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 four probably character i'm assuming the four characters in your in your previous book are uh ryan and jen or jennifer Mm -hmm. and then bruce and Paige. Mm -hmm. yeah but there's enough backstory as to why they travel together to assume to know um but not so much that it's i think it would be daunting had you read it before um so i think i really wanted to design it so people could then you know, if they read this one first, then they could go back when they want more information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it is very – it makes me very happy to hear that I, I nailed that. Yeah, but, you, you did because it doesn't feel spoilerish either. I'm, I'm interesting and I'm interested enough to go back and read it now um, because I, I want to know where those characters came from. So that's kind of I'm, – I'm stoked to find that out. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, and and admittedly, I'm running through my notes here almost in order, which is probably a mistake, but um, (laughs) it's basically in the order that that I wrote them reading the book. Mm -hmm. And and I know Angela's got her own notes as well. Um, But I I just, the next note that I have is, (laughs) OMG, I'm afraid we are the podcasters. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then in all caps, GAH. (laughs) 
You know, I was asked who the podcasters are, and I said, they're all of us. We are all obnoxious when it's, talking about our podcasts. It's you true. know, I've been a podcaster for, for seven years. I am obnoxious when I start talking about my podcast. <laughs> and I took that to the nth degree and made uh, him specifically the most obnoxious version of, of me. I think I'm him too. And I'm, I'm really, now I'm overly conscious and nervous. You know, again, we, uh, we touched on this before we, we were out tonight at a dinner and it was a dinner that could have been a really great networking thing for us, but I was so cognizant about oh, not no. wanting to like oversell the podcast or oversell who we are, you know, it's like, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm the one that always travels with, you know, six to 10 business cards in his, in his wallet. Sure. To pass out and talk to people about spread the good news. That is is sensible marketing. (laughs) Don't overthink that. I'm a swinger evangelist. I'm a swing evangelist. Hashtag swing evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and I'm I'm assuming you're the same way. When you're so passionate about something and something excites you and you want to talk about it, it's it's easy to get wrapped up in it and think that everybody should be as excited as you are. Without question. I mean, I will say I've been I've been talking about this book I've been reading for quite a while now. Anybody who asked me, my yeah. barber asked me what I was reading, and I told him, and he was looking at me like I was like, seriously? I'm like, no, dude, totally. You got to give it a shot. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> Angela keeps pointing at so, my notes. Yeah, because there's there's the next thing on his list is actually something that we both had uh, made note about. Yeah, and actually used uh, this tonight. Um, this this quote. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read a just it's a single sentence quote, but it's something that when I read it, I highlighted it imme- immediately, and it, it really strikes me. Um, and I'd kind of like you to expound upon it to so that you can say like where you learned this or where you where you came up with this. Um, the quote okay. is: "Jealousy means you don't want to you don't want her to have it." Envy means you would like it as well. So jealousy means you don't want her to have it. Envy means you would like it as well. Um, oh, yeah. and, and that's something that I think is so, you know, we, we as swingers and in, in, in the polyamory community often talk about uh, jealousy and compersion, but rarely do I hear jealousy and envy. envy. And I think mm-hmm. that was sure. so, that's so accurate. So can you expand upon where you came up with that one sentence in your book. Well, first, first, I recognize that it may not be the most accurate definitions of jealousy and envy. It doesn't have to. I it's a character's it, thoughts. It's the most relatable. <laughs> it is. It's relatable. Yeah. I felt like, um, you know, jealousy is a loaded term. It like seriously loaded, and it's hard to get past that because when we feel jealous, we feel so guilty about it. But rarely is our jealousy that we don't want our partner to be having fun. Most of the time, our jealousy is that we would like to be having fun and aren't. And that's a very different type of jealousy. Like, I, I think in monogamy, when we get jealous, we get jealous because we don't want our partner doing something. Mm-hmm. Or looking at someone, or and and it has nothing to do with what we want about us, and so I, I don't even remember where that came from. I think I came up with that, but I'm not sure. Honestly, I I know that I was talking about it before the book, but only really last year. I think whatever happened that got me to that, and I was talking about it like on the podcast last year, 
and then I put it in the book because what else do you do but make the book your philosophy? Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but it, it's it. I think it's a very valuable distinction because it's so much easier to understand when you're the target of that that your partner is not trying to take away something from you. They just want something for themselves as well. And it's not your responsibility to give them that. It just, it just is. And I think it's a very uh, healthy way to look at jealousy. Absolutely. Was that Bruce who said that? Yes, yes. it is. Uh, to Ryan. He, he usually yeah. gets the good stuff, even though he's the fuck up in this book. Yeah, he's not the fuck up. He is a victim of circumstances. <laughs> and emotion. And emotion. Not to change the subject a bit, but to talk about identifying with your characters. I, mm. I, I'm not sure if there's a, there's a character that I identified with maybe 100%, but I think I identified with all of your characters, at least to the 70 to 80%. Oh, well, that's excellent. They're, they're feeling things and you're like, I have felt that or I get that. Or, you know, in Bruce's situation, I, I completely understand what he's trying to do. Um, you know, he wants to be a hero. And I think all of us want to be a hero. Or we should. When I, I certainly have uh, uh, the savior complex. Yeah. I'm very aware of it. <laughs> and it is something that I have to actively work against because it causes problems yeah yeah um okay so i'm again to to take the steering wheel and and, and turn it in a different direction um yes. we would love for you to sort of give our our listeners kind of a, a, a sexy taste of uh, <laughs> what they can expect from your book if you are uh, so prepared so this is a chapter from midway through the book uh, it, it focuses on uh, the host of the trip, Raymond Horn, and his little backstory is he's been non-monogamous for most of his life, um, but this past year his primary uh, partner left him and said that he has achieved a sort of stasis in his life, and um, he, he has sort of forgotten how to enjoy himself. And that's his major storyline for the book. So um, midway through the trip, there is a massive group orgy, you know, enticement. This is enticement to get you to read it. And this is, <clears throat> this is the first chapter in that. Raymond Horn lies on his back atop a round 10-foot diameter cushioned bench in the center of the Aphrodite's resort and spa playroom. With his left hand, he strokes the long shaft of a man named Vince, whom he just met this morning. His right hand is outstretched, fingers inside a tall, slender woman named Alexis. He's talked to her and her husband once or twice, but never extensively. Squatting above his face is the female portion of the triad, Marley. Her pierced labia rubs against his nose through a sheet of plastic wrap, there for safer sex. He's only sucked it into his mouth twice, and is making a conscious effort to breathe through his nose and keep the queening going. Down his body, a wonderfully curvy woman named Nancy is riding his cock, bouncing her ass in his direction as she rides. Thankfully, she is doing all the work, since his thoughts are elsewhere. He's nearly immune to the experience, could disassociate entirely, should he choose. 
leave his body and observe, or more likely go elsewhere, go home, go to that spot of sun in the bedroom where he lay with his partner not so very long ago. His partner, his friend and lover, when he still had those things not so very long ago. His prostate tingles, experiencing a flesh and blood cock for the first time in ages after a parade of dildos. Machen's cock is thin and long, ideal for anal stimulation, and the woman it's attached to is fantastic. He hadn't known she was trans until she asked to fuck him. I don't always stay fully rigid, but I'm cycling my T-blocker this week, and I've taken one of those friendly blue guys, she told him. You game? I'm game, he said. As enthusiastic as his consent had been, as involved and invested as he had been when this conglomeration of sexy descended upon him, he finds himself unable to remain in the moment. It could be the many banana daiquiris he's had since lunch. It could be the pot provided by Sergei and Paulina that he smoked. But Raymond knows the truth. He's a pathetic man because only a pathetic man would spend his time at the center of an orgy feeling sorry for himself. Sorry because nothing can be good since Colleen left. Jesus, he thinks, I don't fucking deserve these amazing, sexy people. He contemplates tapping out, but Vince has begun to fuck his hand. Marley rides harder, periodically cutting off air to his nose in that oh-so-wonderfully-dominant way. He's found Alexis's G-spot, and it's growing ever more engorged. Nancy may be coming now, and Machen continues to prod his prostate. Boom, boom, boom. The shakes. Oh, those prostate shakes. Deserving or not, he's in far too deep to pull the ripcord and bail. Not now. Not yet. When Mia offered to oversee the orgy, that would have been the time to change things. No, he said, instead, insistent. I need to do it. If you're only doing it because you think you need to, then you definitely shouldn't. He narrowed his eyes at her psychobabble. She grinned and shrugged. I'm giving you an out. He considered Mia's offer for a while, even going as far to seek her out on their beach bed. That would have been the way to handle this, right? Accept her help and take some downtime to figure things out, at least a little. At least before his hands were full of genitals and there was a cock in his ass. Before someone sat on his face, on his cock. That would have been the time. Then, instead, upon seeing her expectant face, he just told her he had this and gave her a wink. He had this planning to wander into the orgy, Rodney Dangerfield style. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. Journey blasting from the speakers. Your brio doesn't play with me, she told him and returned to her tablet. You think it's a bad idea? I'm not the boss of you, Raymond. But, he said, deflating. After staring down the beach, squinting in the sunlight for what seemed like an hour, she lowered the tablet and turned her large sunglasses in his direction. Is there more? She asked. Are you waiting for my approval? Was that it? No, he said. If you want my opinion as a friend, I think you've got things to let go of. Big ones. If you want my opinion as an educator, you may not be well-equipped right now to lead the bacchanal you want to provide for these people. If you want my opinion as a guest of this trip, people seem to be doing fine on their own, finding their sexy. He opened his mouth to respond, but she continued. And if you want my opinion as an outsider who hears things, you're different. 
discordant. They don't know exactly why, may not even feel it consciously, but subconsciously, people know something's up, something's wrong. It's not just those two podcasters talking about it. Raymond grumbled. Those two podcasters had released another episode this morning complaining about the organization of the phone party, wrongfully placing the blame at his feet when that was one of the events he hadn't planned this week. And again, lamenting the fall of the once great Raymond Horn. But if it wasn't just those two podcasters, who else? You're focusing on the wrong thing, she told him. Doesn't matter. When people are talking, it's usually because there's something worth saying. He scowled. I have an orgy to throw. Godspeed. On the round bench in the playroom atop the building, Machen's nails dig into his ass cheeks. She expels three explosive breaths as she comes. He hears Nancy's partner say, that was incredible to watch. And a few people nearby agree. There's some shuffling movement on the bench. Marley slows her grind to a halt. Machen pulls back and reveals a vacancy within him. He feels hot breath near his ear, a pant in her voice. Thank you for that, you sexy man. I've been fantasizing about it ever since I saw your ass on Saturday. He tries to thank her, but it comes out garbled, most of his sound disappearing into the plastic-wrapped vulva above his mouth. To better facilitate, Marley rises off him about an inch. Thank you, he tells Machen. I'll leave you all be. My husband craves... mm, something. Another satisfied patron of Xanadu, he thinks. His laugh is stifled by Marley's vulva. His prostate pulses with orgasm, the telltale shakes, but overall rather muted. He's confident that had he not popped his own little blue pill earlier, Nancy wouldn't have anything to be riding. Thankfully, his hands are not dependent on his ability to focus. Would these beautiful, sexy people feel bad if they knew he was just barely here? His physical form, sure, that's what they're all using and enjoying, but emotionally checked out. Video 29, Conscious Engagement. That's the one that talks about doing things because you want them. Being present, that's the one he can almost hear playing in his head. The one he should heed. Whether they can tell or not doesn't matter, does it? It's still unfair. How, he argues with himself. Matchin got what she wanted. Vince is about to get what he wants, if the erratic nature of his thrusting is anything to go by. Marley hasn't come yet, but her grinding ebbs and flows, and at the very least, she's getting to top. I'm a dom, she told me, and I want to queen you. I like to be able to control the breathing of powerful men. He nodded. I'm not particularly sexually attracted to you she told him, in such a refreshingly matter-of-fact fashion that he smiled. Don't usually get a smile saying things like that. He shrugged. I'm very direct. I'm a fan of radical honesty, he confessed. Well, try this on. I want to lie you on your back and I'll squat over your face. I'm not going to squat all the way down because you're going to lift your face to me. You'll lift your head and lick my pussy for as long as I like. And if I tell you to, you'll hold your face there until you can't breathe. Raymond thought this sounded like a fine idea and negotiated to include his plastic wrap. Marley made no objections. Yeah, shouts Vince as a shot of fluid hits Raymond's arm and chest. Oh yeah, says Nancy, and the vigor with which she rides intensifies. He feels a hand dig into his hair and yank. You're not going to come. Do you understand? 
He leans his head back to give himself a moment and agrees. Of course not, mistress. She doesn't know that he'll be unlikely to come whether she allows it or not, and he hopes she doesn't decide to bestow the ability on him at the end of this encounter. He won't. Has no week. Has no month, in fact. Just one more thing he can't quite figure out how to do it. Nancy slows to a stop, exulting, fantastic, before accepting her husband's offer of help off. Raymond's cock flops from the warmth of her body into the chill of the room. A moment later, he feels a warm mouth surrounding his cock and assumes it's still her. He hears the voice of Alexis's husband, low and sensual. I'd love to bring you over here for a spell, my darling. Oh, yes, comes the reply, and his hand feels chilly at all at once, exposed to the air, soaking. A mouth slides along each finger. Be continued, says, a question mark implied. He changes his two-finger salute to a thumbs up. A purple groove has been worn on his lower lip by Marley Quinn Lapersings. That's all right, though. It's good to, to submissiveness, to not be in charge. He's aware at some point that his cock is no longer sucked, and he assumes that the reason is that it's gone flaccid. He knows from experience that firm understanding of penises or not, it still feels sort of shit when one goes soft on you. Marley lifts herself off, and he sees her standing above him on the bench through hazy plaque wraps smeared with reaches down and plucks the barrier off his face. You did about real praise in her voice. You can do that again before the end of the He nods and thanks his mistress. Marley steps over his head and with a thump leaves the bench. The sounds of pleasure come from everywhere. If he took a moment to allow all this to wash over him, to appreciate not only what has just happened, but that he's conjured this tribute to Bacchus out of nothing, then maybe he'd be able to take some stock, see some value. After all, Xanadu may not be firing on all cylinders, but it's bringing people together. Maybe he'd be able to convince himself he is all right. He's a lesser human without Colleen in life, but she hasn't always been with him, and he'd done okay once upon a time. One thing Raymond knows with absolute certainty is that he feels nothing as he lies here. He's gone from the center of a sixum to the wet aftermath, so perhaps Anhedonia diagnosed it despite not having coming from someone qualified to diagnose such things, should be considered. Maybe the asshole judging other people's qualifications to make diagnoses make a hard look at himself, acknowledge his deep depression, and understand how he works within those parameters. Maybe Andrew 10 should be the last one. If someone said this to you, how would you advise them? Himself. When things are darkest, he's always recognized that he is the absolute worst at doing what he ought to. I say, he whispers, they don't make any major life decisions in the Valley of Depression. No hears his voice amid the cacophony of sexual exuberance. Raymond Horn lies on his back atop a round 10-foot diameter cushion bench in the center of Aphrodite's resort and spa. He is alone. I forgot that one ended on such a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that's such a – I mean, again, it's such a good point of of this – of what's going on in your head when you're in the middle of something that 
you know, people who aren't in the lifestyle might assume that you're focused on the people around you and, and not always are we. We're focused on first and foremost ourselves and the issues that we're dealing with. And I have to say, though, either way, I I was going to say I I was still a little moist (laughs) during that passage. So still. Well, that makes me feel good. (laughs) No matter how it ends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here going, oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's I I absolutely love that passage. And I remember Mm -hmm. that was one that stuck out in in my head when when I read through it the first time. I was like, yeah, I, I like that. (laughs) <laughs> well, good. I, I'm jealous of Raymond's physical not necessarily his mental <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay sorry I've got a I've got a I'm a little flush no, yeah, I right get, yeah you take take a moment refresh <laughs> <laughs> reset 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 <sighs> um yeah that's that's again uh, I, I like that that's that's mm-hmm. that's fun um focus Brad focus so not not to take not the harsh on the mellow i mean you you're right that did end on a, a kind of a bummer kind of uh, note but um you know one of the things your characters talk about at, at one point in the book is is straight men um reacting to bisexual and gay men in the community oh yes um and and as a bi guy who is constantly I, I constantly find that I, I restrain myself in in the community because I don't I'm, I'm always cognizant not making people feel uncomfortable um, and I also know that it's not something that I, I don't want it to affect um, you know Angela and I's success in the community um, and it was so nice and refreshing to to read that and to see that it's not just me Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I struggled with what bi looks like in swinging for ages. You know, I'm not a very traditional swinger anymore. I used to be, um, when it was me and me and my now ex-wife, we would go on standard swinger dates. We'd go to swinger parties. We'd go to swinger clubs. But after my divorce, um, the woman I met is, you know, further to the the gay side of the Kinsey scale than the straight side. And we just were looking for different things at that point. And I, I feel like I was just kind of sick of. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pretending I was anything but what I was. And I was sick of being in... in groups where I couldn't say, man, you've got a nice cock. 
even without uh, asking to touch it, without you know the, the straight man it's attached to getting all offended and weird because fuck you for being offended and weird when your cock's hanging out and someone compliments it. That's just <laughs> shitty and stupid. And and uh, this is the activist side of me that. You know, and I hear what you're saying, and I, I totally – I'm not dismissing it at all, but you shouldn't have to not make them feel uncomfortable by being you. You are, you are the same uh, type of swinger that, that, that you are with women, I'm, I'm assuming, who, who <laughs> asks for consent before touches. Of course. You know, so – if, if a man does not want to be touched, you will ask him first and he can say no. But if he's going to get offended by the ask, that's shitty, that's discriminatory, and he should not be allowed to do that. And I feel like – and the, the activist in me says that being the loudest, outest, by I can is how we change that because so many bi guys – don't see that they can do it because they don't see other bi guys because bi guys are invisible except in those back rooms or those those little dates you know where they know the other person is bi yeah but at parties bi guys need to be visible you know and at desire we we had there was there was guy guy sex happening Last year, I mean, we we took over the resort, so really no one could say <laughs> shit about it. But there was, and it was amazing. And I I really hope that visibility has value. And I've built a a sort of hybrid community now. Like I'm not, I I don't uh, trend to Chicago's swinger community. I'm in Chicago's queer community, and I have parties with the queer community tonight. In fact, uh, I, we have we have a play party where the the percentage of guys who are bi, uh, I think, is like eighty percent. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and and I don't know how that specifically happened. I don't know if it's that I just know a lot of bi guys, or if there are just a lot of bi guys in general. Or that my being openly bi made it okay for them to explore. I know there are at least two guys who weren't bi when I first started hanging out with them who are now sliding down the Kinsey scale. <laughs> it's, you know, in hearing that, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to hear things when, when you say things like that, you know, because admittedly, we started this podcast um, because when I was going through what I like to lovingly refer to as my mental breakdown um, a few <laughs> years back, I was searching out people who I was looking for by men um, who yeah. I could prove to myself that I was air quotes, normal, whatever the hell that is. But at the time it was really important to me. And so yeah. now we started doing this podcast and have had such a positive response from specifically the by male community. Um, and, and to get folks like you on the podcast is, is such a, it's a triumph to say, look, we're, we're, we're real, we're valid and it doesn't fucking matter. Um, yeah. so, you know, I will say in our, like in our local club, uh, our secret spot that we go to quite often, everybody knows I'm by, there's no, there's no question. I am, like you said, I'm out and proud and I, I'm still, once the play starts, you know, the couples know I'm by, 
always. Mm-hmm. Um, once play starts, I tend to be a little more reserved and wait for them to, rather than ask permission, I wait for them to give permission, which um, okay. I, I'm, I'm still working on that. It's that because, again, I don't want somebody to feel uncomfortable. And I know saying no can make people uncomfortable. But at the same time, they know you're by. So if they want something... Yes hopefully they would feel freer to ask, which is also not always the case. But again, t- touching on something you just said, I um, I think I've been at least 10 guys first. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm starting to think I should rip myself out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need a Yelp score. I, I do. I do. Ooh. <laughs> um, no, you know, the, the buy thing is so weird because – I mean, it really touches on, you know, we talked about the more conservative aspects of swinging earlier, and it touches on a lot of the traditional aspects of sex, because why, why is it okay for women to be bi? Because guys think it's hot. Yeah. You know, and obviously it's okay for women to be bi because women can be bi, but that's why no one blinks an eye. Is because guys think it's hot. That's why women being by in movies and on television happened because guys think it's hot, and it makes me like nauseous to realize that. But at the same time, that little thing was like permission granted. So for every woman who's doing it specifically for the guys, there's another woman or five other women. Who are doing it because they actually want to explore with women. Right. And that's amazing, you know? So this this icky thing gave rise to acceptance of the fluidity of female sexuality. And I will say that for me for me, there's nothing hotter than watching Bradford with another guy. Like to me, that is I just I love to watch that. It is so hot. And recently we were at a swingers club and we were talking to a couple and they were asking about how we like to play. And I mentioned that we like the puppy pile where everybody's just kind of in there and, you know, whatever's in front of you or you play with whatever and whoever's there. And the the lady was very interested. And the guy, when he found out that we were both bisexual and, you know, particularly Bradford, he got very uncomfortable and he was like, right. no, no, I'm a hundred percent straight, blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, well, I'm not saying we have to play with you like that. You know, they were very much, oh, we're soft swap only, but she was interested. She was like, no, I think that's kind of hot to see two guys together, but he right. shut it down pretty quick. Yeah. There are a lot of women that do really like that as well. It's just, you, there are, they're yeah. just not, I don't think they feel free enough to say that and to, right. you know, do anything about it. Well, I think the the big thing I realized about um, like the the profiles on swinger dating sites that specifically are anti buy. Yep. What I realized about them is the way they talk is that I don't want him touching me. So it's that consent thing we talked about, you know. The and so what does that mean then? And unfortunately, I feel like we live in a world where a lot of men think that if they ask a woman to have sex with them and she says no, all they have to do is keep asking in different ways, needle her a little bit, and eventually she'll say yes. It's true. And that is what that is what 
movies tell us. That is what TV tells us. Books tell us that. And it's, it's I mean, it's incredibly misguided, but it, it's what we know. So if that is what guys think a no can turn into, the most terrifying thing in the world to a, to a guy who is not secure would be the idea that a man could come up to him, ask him to have sex, and then sort of bully him into actually doing it. Yeah, it, which is you, and which is exactly you know you touch on that specifically in the book, and I think you're you're spot on. Um, you know, and another thing that we've seen and that we've inferred from those same swinger profiles are those people. You know, men don't see other women as a threat to their relationship. Right. That if if their partner, a female partner, plays with another female partner, it's almost like that unicorn is a toy. She's She's no real threat. She's just a uh, something to use and then push along to the other side to fulfill yeah. that, you know, that threesome fantasy. And it ugh. anyway, <laughs> which is which is truly like abusively awful. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's what tends to float to the top when people look at swinging. You know, that's the key parties and the uh, right. sexual objectivism. Um, but. But that's another podcast, which we will totally have you on. <laughs> hey, I, I would love to. You know, I, I, I feel like swinging is changing. I hope so. I don't so. feel like it's changing quickly. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like it's changing. And I feel like acceptance of bi and pansexual men, acceptance of, of trans people, acceptance of gay people into the swinging community, and all these groups are not well represented or by and large welcomed into this community. I think it's, it's growing uh, but the only way to continually make it grow is sort of to establish your own community outposts where this is acceptable, because then all those people will go home to their friends and it's acceptable. You know, we have to force that change because it's not because people by and large don't want to change. They want their comfortable uh, lifestyle, their comfortable, uh, extravagant, uh, sexy lifestyle. But there's so much more uh, available to them, right. you know, and they don't have to do it. Nobody has to be bi. Nobody has no. to be, you know, and and women don't have to be bi either, nope. you know. And that's that's another weird issue in the swing community. But exploration has so much value, and the like. The number one thing I try to get across to people is that. You know, if you're at all curious as a man about what it might be like to be with another man and you suck a cock tonight, tomorrow you are exactly the same person you were today and you get to decide if you liked it, if you want to do it again, or if you want that to just be a one-off experience where you learn something new about yourself. And that something new can be, I didn't enjoy that, so I'm not going to do it again. Well said. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely valid. Both, both feelings are valid and and you're right. I think that most people think that if they do it once, they must like it, but we don't assume that with food. We don't assume that with drink, you know, we don't even assume that with vacations. You know, I can go somewhere and go, (laughs) I never want to go here again. Yeah. And that's what we call Detroit. Sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a bad person. Okay, <laughs> to try to pull us off, uh, uh, to try to pull us back to the book, um, I've got a couple of uh, hopefully quick questions 
Um, okay. we'll, we'll try to do them sort of shotgun style, and then uh, we'll see uh, where we end up. Um, so let's say we're we're that we're Jen and Ryan, first timers to a resort, a sexual resort, or a lifestyle resort, or a takeover. What's your advice to us? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 also no, without taking up the full podcast, because I'm sure that's a full podcast. <laughs> I mean, my best advice is to go with someone. Okay. You know, if you don't know any couples who are going, find a group that's going that you feel comfortable with. Don't don't just go alone. You know, you'll you'll likely make friends if you go alone. But this is an intense experience, like legitimately. Almost everybody I know who goes on this trip has a meltdown about two thirds of the way through the week. For various reasons, overwhelmed, uh, freaked out that they have to go home again. Um, not, you know, it's 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 like all the pressure in the world, but it's again one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had being at these resorts. So, take a breath, pre-forgive yourself and your partner <laughs> because some. <laughs> is doing something stupid on this trip, period. So pre-forgiveness is very important. It's the same as with starting swinging. Someone is going to do something stupid. True. Yeah. Hope it's not you. <laughs> it is. It probably. It was me. Uh, so then use this moment. You're doing something extravagant and wild. You're going someplace that so few people in the world ever get to experience something like this. So recognize the value of that exploration in that moment. Say yes to things you might not say yes to otherwise. Push your boundaries, push your comfort zones. And when I say push your boundaries, I don't mean push beyond the rules you've established with your partner. I don't mean do things that make you uncomfortable. I mean, if you're the like, like when I was first asked to be a sub for someone, I was in San Francisco at a club on my first uh, conference for sexuality, and a woman said, "I want to, I want to uh, hang you on the St. Andrew's cross and beat you," and I'd never done uh, doming, dom sub stuff. I'd never been flogged. I've never, um, I'd never even been to this kind of club before. And so my default was, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Sure, sometime. <laughs> and she emphasized, no, like, like right now I'd like to do that. And so my default would be to say, no, thank you. But I said yes, and it was a wonderful experience. And there, there's so much room to say yes to things that are not going to damage you emotionally, physically. I mean, damage you physically beyond the level you can acceptably be damaged. Right. <laughs> and and you may have been curious at some point. I, th I think that's more what I'm trying to say is if there's any level of curiosity, if things sound scary but interesting, scary but interesting is where the best shit lives. And you should absolutely push yourself to explore scary but interesting. And remember, if you do something and you don't like it, it's okay. It is always okay. And talk to your partner a lot, a lot, and don't have sex on the beach because sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been there. 
It's never as much fun as you think it will be. <laughs> it, it's always better in your imagination. Your imagination yeah. is always better or worse. It's yeah. It's... <laughs> so then, conversely, what advice would you give to someone like Raymond, who is as both the host and someone who's been there for ten years? They back and again and again and again. You know, at some point, does it become stale and mundane? It can. I'm like you know, I've been doing this. This is this is going to be our sixth trip uh my seventh trip but our sixth hosted trip and it's it's easy to get lost in routine as wild as the routine is and what i've been trying to do is rearrange my routine so i'm not working as much because you know it is a working vacation for me and then take that time like make time to do the things you want to do and recognize no one will judge you for not being host at all times. Cause that was really hard for me is I felt like I should always be available. And I felt like if I said no to interactions, I was somehow being disingenuous and not encouraging. And my responsibility as a host and facilitator should include saying yes to things I didn't want to do, which is, you know, a caustic way of thinking. So recognizing that I should do what I would like to do on this trip, because it is also a vacation. Man, I wish, I, I wish you could yeah. see the eyes I'm getting right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am getting, I am getting those. See, I told you so eyes. And so thanks a lot, Cooper. Um, well, you know, so, you know, Sometimes the things we need to hear are the hard things. <laughs> um, so uh, for anybody who, who everybody knows, but you may not know, we do uh, pendulum parties down here. Um, uh-huh. And we're coming up on our second one. That is, uh, we take over one of the local swingers club, our secret spot, um, and and people invite people to come in, and it's you know it's a, a chance for anybody to explore their heteroflexible, homoflexible, bisexual, bicurious, yada 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 side. Um, and the oh, last one we awesome. did, I had so much trouble relaxing. Mm-hmm. But it's a time that. Because normally at the swingers club, like we've touched on, you know, girl on girl play is is acceptable, but not necessarily guy on guy. And on this night, it is very much acceptable. And we even put up a glory hole in one of the the rooms, and and it's just a good night where everyone can explore. However, Bradford does not relax well until I think the last one. It was about an hour before everything shut down. It was down. two a.m. I was yeah. starting to relax. Yeah. Yeah, but I know how that is. I think getting out of your head like that is is. Definitely something you need to... I'll try to take your advice to heart, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Here's the big thing. People can organize themselves. What you are doing is you are providing a space. And that space is what is desperately needed. Once in that space, you should be available. But you shouldn't be waiting for people to come to you with concerns or issues. It's because you having fun as host allows for them to have fun. That's great advice. Seeing you yeah. doing things allows for them to try things. I have found almost universally that that is the case. At, at play parties, at, uh, at Desire, yeah, almost universally. I think that's great advice, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to, to embrace that. Um, 
who anyone who listening this is going to come out this probably probably come out this Wednesday uh, this coming Friday is our next uh, <laughs> our next pendulum party and nice. we need to get we need to get you down here so that you can come to our next next pendulum party yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> back to my list of questions okay this is a very serious question okay yes. and it's something we uh, Angel and I both talked yeah. about this and we're really curious um, at these at these resorts, at, at Desire, at Aphrodite, seriously, does every lady carry a strap-on with them wherever they go? <laughs> a lot of people carry toy bags with them wherever they go. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, our, our host for our trip is Char Travel, and they're, they're wonderful um, hosts. And they provide uh, a drawstring bag with all your welcome stuff. And... You see those drawstring bags everywhere, uh, crammed to the the point of of uh, failure with toys. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you want a, you want a little tip that yes, I got yes. from a friend? So if you take Altoids tins uh, and save them throughout the year for when you go on trips like this, an Altoids tin is exactly the size of a key card for a room. And holds condoms and lube sample packets. Oh my god, that's fucking genius! Yep. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. Uh, it was it was told to me, and it was just like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and easy to find when you're digging around in the bag. Yeah. yeah. The only it, negative it, that Altoids costs like six six fifty seven dollars down here. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> um. So. I guess at some point we're going to have to wrap up this podcast, which makes me really, really sad. Um, but uh, one of the questions that, that I have as a sort of an, an over encompass overall encompassing question is what's like one takeaway you really hope people who read the book, um, walk away from, from this story with. I've, I've realized actually just recently that, that my goal with everything I do is to get people to ask questions they weren't asking. You know, my goal with a podcast is to get monogamous straight people to ask if non-monogamy might be what what they should be doing. And so this book has so many of those things in it that people may not have considered. And I, I like the idea that I may be exposing fairly you know, heteronormative people to things they may never have considered or seen or heard about. And if I can get over that little hump of discomfort, because I understand I've been uncomfortable. Um, the first time I encounter, you know, the first time I saw men actually having sex, penetrative sex, I was uncomfortable and I'm bi, but it, so it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable when confronted with something outside your realm of experience. What's wrong is when you judge that, and try to get people to not do it. Hmm. I, I got on a soapbox there. Did you no. see it? I pulled it out, put it down, and got on it. <laughs> Mate, I put that. I bring that. I bring it with me wherever I go, and <laughs> I'm I'm always ready to step on it and preach because you're spot on. And I think it's uh, I think it's a great thing. Like, admittedly, I told you at the beginning. I, I I bought this book and sent it to my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's part of that sort of that 
that's a bit of me getting on my soapbox and saying, hey, read this. This is important. Yeah. You want to understand I, I me. I am very curious when she has read it. I would love to hear what, what she thinks. I will definitely. I, I, so uh, admittedly, I sent it to her and I said, look, you know, we're going to be talking to the author. Um, I, I want you to read this because I want you to understand sort of what Angela and I do. And she goes, I want to read this. <laughs> so I will <laughs> definitely let you know. Um, what what her opinion what her opinion is? I'm sort of excited to hear it, positive or negative. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely let you know. Yeah. Filthy uh, is good too. Just <laughs> she just won't say filthy. she won't say that. I've seen some of the stuff that she's read. Uh, it's uh, some of it's filthy. Yeah, some she reads some uh, filthy <laughs> stuff already. Um, but uh, but yeah. Do, do you have any questions uh, for us? Since like I said, we've uh, we've not read your previous books, but. Uh, well, the, the big questions I ask um, about the book is, uh, what was your favorite sex scene? And what character did you most identify with? Those are the, the two things uh, that I like to, to ask people who've read it. So for me, I have a really hard time picking one favorite sex scene. Um, okay. I would say that the orgy scenes were mm. really hot. Also, the scene um, with the two guys. Oh, yeah. Because okay. I always, I always love that. Yeah. Um, no matter what it looks like, I, I, I just, I love watching two guys together. So that, I would say it's a toss up for me between, and, and again, the, you know, there's a couple of orgy scenes and I don't know. Do I have to choose? <laughs> you don't have to. No. This is, this there's is a so, safe space where there's, you don't have to choose. There's so many. Yeah, there were a number of times I was like, this is really hot. And yeah, I don't know that I can choose one of those. I can choose one. I have no trouble at all. What's yours? My, okay. the, the one that I actually had to take a break and put the book down for a minute and sort of like, I, I won't say I went and masturbated, but I did sit and talk to myself for quite a while, was the uh, pegging. Oh, there's there, oh, is, a, there yeah. is a pegging uh, uh, sex scene in the book. And that just, oh, God, that was... Yeah. Yay! Sploosh. And that was that was actually something that I didn't put in the first book that I really wanted to, uh, but I thought it would be taking I, I thought it would require too much other processing mm -hmm. for the characters. Yeah. So uh in, in the first book there is pegging, but they only glimpse it at a party. Okay. Okay. And sort of don't even understand what they're watching here. So in this one, it's just like, oh, there's going to be pegging all right. <laughs> yeah, it was that uh, was it was epically written, and and there's I think actually in that scene, there's a few times where you as the as the the narrator look away from it, and I'm like, no, 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 focus back on you. Know, pay attention, pay attention. <laughs> See, that's that's what the that's what we call erotica edging. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yes, um, but I kept screaming and, and that's at you. A conscious choice on my part. I wanted to because it'll keep you from from you know. Here's what it is, and I just realized this. <laughs> when you're watching porn, it's it's all fucking. So you come and then often you're done, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. When you're reading erotica, you may not get to the end of the story because it's so hot here in the middle. Fair enough. Fair but, enough. but if I edgy a little bit, if I start talking about, you know, that job at home or or uh, or God forbid, talking about, um, <laughs> you know, unemployment 
rights. And yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hear about that at that moment. You were, you were killing me. I'm like, dude, this is so hot. Stop thinking. <laughs> Start enjoying. That's awesome. yeah. Totally loved that. <laughs> and I would say, as far as characters that we identify with, um, if you're talking about the main seven, I would oh, say no, any, anyone in the book. Okay, so for me, I would say that I identify more with Lydia. And, okay, totally true. And I would hope and try to have Deborah's outlook on life. Very nice. Uh, I think that's... Very. And those two characters, those are two examples of the story telling me what's going on. Because they were not in any of my outlines. <laughs> like I wrote their first scenes. Uh, uh, Deborah is an older woman who's been coming on all the trips. And she has, she has a caustic Midwesterner style of speaking. And she just challenges Raymond at every turn, which I really loved. And yeah. in that first scene, it's like, okay, well, I mean, she has to be in the rest of the book. I just, th- this can't be it. And the same thing with Lydia. When when I started writing her, uh, she's she's sort of a conglomeration of like four different women I know in personality and style. And it's just like, okay, yeah, clearly uh, my my unconscious mind wants to do more with this character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny though. Like you know, Deborah, you 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 said caustic. You know, she does challenge Raymond, but in a such a positive way, you know, and I think that it, it is very much a, um, she's sort of a master Yoda. <laughs> if I, if I, if I may, <laughs> you know, no, I, I can go with that. Sure. She's yeah. difficult. She's difficult. But at the same time, you know, her goal is to make things better and easier and positive. And yeah. so I agree with Angela. That's someone who I aspire to have that sort of attitude, both within and without the community. Um, so the, I would say I agree with that, but the character that I, 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 man, it's tough. Um, I, I identify with, because you sound like a similar person to me. And so if you are a similar person to me, you will see my fragmented personality <laughs> Throughout these characters, and probably identify with a few of them. Absolutely, I, you know, I look at Krista and her insecurities about her her nudity and her insecurities about her relationship and her sexuality. I get that, you know, Ryan and his, you know, again, all his insecurities about himself and who he is. I get that. And Bruce not being able to let go. Bruce not being able to let go. Yeah. Paige's need for control, and it's just like I look at all of this, and I'm like. Uh, if you sliced up your characters in a delicious Trivial Pursuit style pie, I think that <laughs> that that I see myself in in many of them and many of them in me. Oh well, that's wonderful. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's truly like that makes me feel really good. Good. Um, thank you. Good. No, thank you. It was uh, it was a delight, a delight to read. Um, yeah. I, you know, admittedly, I, I had. I'm going to be honest and say I put it off until right before our first attempt at, at interviewing you. So I basically read it in three days. Uh, oh, wow. Because I was like, I need to, I really need to read this before I talk to Cooper. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, I'll start reading it. And then I started reading it. I couldn't put you it down. You can't put it down. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is great. This is what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? And it was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was so much fun to read. 
Um, and now we're already looking at November of 2018 to say, okay, you know, they're doing a, a, re, a resort takeover this year. I'm assuming you're going to do one next year. And if you don't, until they until they force me to stop. Excellent. We'll cry if you don't. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so tell us more about the resort takeover. Is that November every year? Uh, yeah, uh, the usually the first week in November. Uh, this year it is the fourth through the eleventh. I believe I'm double checking. Yes, fourth through the eleventh. You can find information on ssdesire.com. That's Swing Set Desire. And our trip is, uh, it's kind of different from what the resort usually has. The resort has a wide variety of feels to it, mostly based on who's taking it over. But uh, we've been told specifically that our group is unlike any other group on this resort. And it's because we truly emphasize diversity and exploration. So we not only are accepting of by males, we ask for by males to come and join us. You know, we are the first group to openly ask gay couples to join the trip. And it, it is so important to us that people be, ex be exposed to things they've never seen before and, and be willing to I mean, no one has to do anything. I, I don't. I don't want to make it sound like if you come with us, you will be expected to try new things. You don't have to do anything. But wouldn't it be nice to be in a place where you could? You know, and that's the that's the environment we foster. It's a place where you feel safe to try anything you want to try. And the coolest thing about doing a takeover is we can then mold the resort to our image. And so we, um, we have a, an amazing Canadian couple. She does burlesque shows. Uh, he's incredibly geeky. And the two of them uh, run our theme nights. And so our themes are last year, um, I mean, we, we do heroes and villains. We do uh, space cowboys. We do like, it's, it's nothing like traditional swinger theme nights. Well, I want to say I, I did read, you know, because, uh, of course, I got all excited and started researching. And, and even knowing we can't come this November, I was like, I wonder what their themes are this November. And <laughs> you'll, you'll have to help me out with this one. But it's basically like druids and 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 elves. Oh, and, yeah. That, that's our Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I was going to say it's like sexy Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I was like, seriously? That that's what I want from a swingercation. Like, oh. well, you know, and that stems from the first, the first time I was there, in the first day at the hot tub because there's hot tub happy hour. It's you know around four o'clock in the evening when you've had your afternoon sex before your dinner. You go up to the hot tub, and the hot tub is massive, like it's the size of a swimming pool. Wow. And so you you just hang out. You you stew in the hot tub for a few <laughs> hours. Um, but the first night there, we were talking about two things. Uh, Captain Jack Harkness being one of the hottest um, characters in media. And I don't know if you you or your listeners know who Captain Jack Harkness is. He's from Torchwood and Doctor Who. Oh, He's yes. pansexual. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> so he, he is the person that everybody wants to fuck. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. Even even if you know, even if you're not interested in men as a man, you look at that guy and say, "Okay, yeah, I see the appeal." <laughs> and 
you know, how, how tragic it was that they canceled Firefly, which are two things which are very tweet, <laughs> I get it. But to, to know that we could be in this place that, that made me feel overwhelmed and uncomfortable at first because I have body image issues. I don't feel like I'm one of the beautiful people. And so going to a place where, where first impressions of sexiness can seem important uh, it made me very uncomfortable, but having these conversations, it was just like, well, okay, no, no, wait a minute. This is, these are my people. <laughs> and that was weird. But then recognizing that then everything I did, you know, the, when we started our own trip, it was like, okay, that's what I'm focusing on. I'm building a, a group of people that I want to be with. I don't ultimately care much about anything else. Because it seems like this group of people that I want to be with is a group of people a lot of people want to be with, and it seems like an underserved community. I would agree a million percent. And that's what I wanted, was to make, uh, make a place where people like me can feel sexy, can feel like they have opportunities, uh, and can be unafraid to say what they'd like. Yeah, so oh, that's, that sounds awesome. You really sold us. <laughs> and that's why, that's why we took over the resort too, because there was always this small chunk of people at the beginning. It was much larger. Our first trip, we only had uh, 30 of the hundred and um, 110 or so rooms taken. And so we were definitely the minority. And, you know, when, when I got a blowjob on the side of the hot tub by a guy, uh, that guy was immediately called a fag. Ugh. Oh, and and it was awful, and it was unexpected. Yeah, and and maybe it was unexpected because we were naive, but it was it was like okay, how can I get rid of them? <laughs> because a lot of people would feel like maybe we don't belong here, and but I always default to the people who don't belong there are the ones that are discriminating and we need to take it from them. And so when we were taking over more and more rooms, the year after we had 50 rooms, the year after that we had 80 rooms. And then we went all the way up to, you know, like when we had 80 rooms, those last 40, I could tell that those people were sort of pushing back as hard as they could because they knew they were the minority. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of hateful people are not used to being the minority. And so you know I hold on. Hateful people is that's that's me editorializing. Of course, but I, but I know what you mean. You know, it's we um well we're from the south. Um so you know it's it's the people who and I often quote Beauty and the Beast. I know. Bear with me. Um, I'm fascinated. <laughs> there's a line at the end of, of of the musical Beauty and the Beast where the crowd sings, "We don't like what we don't understand. In fact, it scares us." Yeah, yeah. That's what you. That's what you call the subtext rapidly becoming text. Yeah, exactly. And you look at that and you're like, okay. I appreciate that you that it frightens you and you don't understand it, but 
that doesn't mean that it's bad. Just because you don't like something or just because you don't understand something doesn't make it a bad thing. Right. Um, right. So I know Definitely. where you're coming from, at least. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we've had issues. I, like, our, our community is not utopia. We've had issues within our community. This past year, uh, we had uh, an asshole storming around the resort on election night, which <laughs> was <laughs> on our trip. Oh. Um, cheering every Trump victory and and sort of loudly laughing in the faces of the people literally crying at the bar. And that was one of those wild moments for me because I was having a nervous breakdown. Right. Yeah. That was that was the worst one of the worst nights of my life right there. Uh, but politics aside, that was a weird moment for me as a host. Yeah. Yeah. Because I looked at this and it's like, okay, well, you can't just protect the minority because that's the minority right now. On this trip, the minority is the ones who are supporting Trump. So I can't just, I can't go with my usual protecting minority. I need to protect the people who feel victimized. And I don't, I mean, I do care if you voted for Trump, but I don't care if, if you are a Republican, I don't care. I'm trying real hard here. I, (laughs) him voting for Trump was not the problem. Right. Gloating. Him gloating in the face of people who are hurting. Yeah. Like not just, not just disappointed, but I've never seen a reaction like that to an election. And they were hurting. And so to gloat while they're hurting is not reading the room. And that is offensive to me. And, and so I, from, from my, the middle of my nervous breakdown, I pointed to our, um, our travel agent and said, that guy, he's not coming back. <laughs> and enough. I got a lot of yeah. shit for that, but I stand by it because I was, I'm creating a safe space for people who don't traditionally have a safe space. Yeah. And you know, who generally have a safe space. Yeah. Wealthy conservatives. You know, yeah. they can say they don't all they want. I'm, I'm going to stop. I, I would, I would go for another hour. And I imagine, um, in Australia, they're not as interested in our politics. It's interesting. You know, they're, they're, they're interested only in that it's, they don't understand it. I mean, no, I, we don't either, and we apologize <laughs> uh, really, truly to the world so, uh, for you know, whatever this shit is. We we are going to pull the plug on it, but uh, and, but we're going to put a yeah. pin in it. Um, only saying I, we would love to have you back on where you discuss, you know, the 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 well, especially now the the, yeah. the queer world and and the current world, the real world um, in the hey, states. Let me let me fix this. Let me fix it. Take us all back. I know I know how to fix it. All okay. Right. Right now, it is more important than ever to show the world your queerness. And queer can be a loaded term because it, it seems to only uh, relate to gay right. in, traditionally. But queer is, is off the norm when it comes to sexual, uh, sexuality and um, sexual interest. That's what queer is. 
I don't recommend everybody deciding that they are queer because then that can be seen as appropriating. But what it what we can do is show our queerness to the world. Because the more we do that, the more we'll realize how much of the world is queer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. everybody who swings is fucking queer and I don't I don't want to hear anything else because you're doing something that is not only not the norm, but it's antithetical to the norm. You are you are thumbing your nose and and stroking your cock at tradition <laughs> in a way that is so brazen to think you are not an activist, to think you are not um someone who could be a queer beacon is it's just astounding and it's not anybody's responsibility, but it will make our world better. And we, you don't have to be out, but think of why you're hiding. You're hiding because of how scary it would be if someone found out. So, being out as out as you can, telling people, telling anybody who you think can hear it, that makes it less scary in the future. So right now, non-monogamy is, is seeing a renaissance because of young people predominantly. And it's, it's happening everywhere. Like the New York Times Magazine had a big story about non-monogamy this week. And that's huge, you know? So the more we are out in little increments, the more we share things like podcasts, you know, I'm not just tooting our horns, but that's how I found alternative sexuality because I didn't know it was a thing before. And that's how everybody finds it is when they didn't know it was a thing because we don't talk about it in the world. And then suddenly here it is a thing. And then they ask the question, the most important question in the world, do I want to be monogamous? And that is a question that is taken away from almost everybody because they don't know there's an option. Yep. Totally true. Yeah. It's, uh, in, and very well said. Yeah. It's, um, we are revolutionaries and that's not, uh, overblown thought. I Sexuality agree. is the most important frontier because so much, so many of the problems in our world come down to a condemnation of sexuality. I am often quoted as saying we're part of a third sexual revolution, you know, looking at the first sexual revolution of, of women can, you know, free themselves and enjoy sex. The second revolution of, you know, homosexuality or bisexuality is, 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 is real and accepted. And then this third one is us saying monogamy is not the default. It doesn't have to be the right. norm. It's fine to be monogamous. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Um, but there's also nothing wrong with non-monogamy. They want yeah. exactly. Yeah. There is a choice. You need to know there's an option out there, and that's that's so valuable. So, people who want to come and find you, where can yes. they find you? Uh, well, I'm almost everywhere as Cooper S. Beckett. Uh, so, like Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. If you enjoyed the last few minutes of me ranting and being holier than thou, <laughs> you can find that on Twitter all the time. Literally all the time. Um, <laughs> if you want to find my books, I'm an independent publisher, so I really appreciate it if you buy them through me. You can buy them at cooperspeckett.com uh, as ebooks and audiobooks and paperbacks. 
if you want to buy them through Amazon, I'm fine with that too. I still get paid. But if you if you buy them through me, it's it's really beneficial. You can find my podcast, Life on the Swing Set, at lifeonthesingset.com, and our sexuality podcast network is swingset.fm, with a lot of varied sexual podcasts. That uh, there's a lot of range there, so you can come and check out a bunch of different things, including my goofy media podcasts about Twin Peaks and Hannibal. So <laughs> that's me. I'm gonna have to find the Twin Peaks one. <laughs> it's coming back. I know, right? It's next the, week. The posters are everywhere in Australia. It's amazing. Really? That's yeah. awesome. I know, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. You can find us uh, at by the by podcast. Um, we're also on Facebook, www.facebook slash by the by podcast. Um, email us at the atoms of love at gmail.com. Um, we have been so lucky, so happy to, to talk to you tonight uh, or for you this morning. <laughs> it has been my pleasure. Um, yeah, and we, uh, I think we need to schedule. And I don't get up early for just anyone. <laughs> oh, we don't stay up till 2 a.m. for just anyone either. <laughs> hey, dude, this is the latest I've been up and still got my pants on in a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we need to do this again, and I would love to talk to you yes. about, honestly, about, you know, the, especially bisexuality, but, you know, queerness and, and politics and, and how we can, um, as rational humans balance the two. It's a tough one. It yeah. is it's a tough one. It, it needs to be talked about and it needs to be talked about a lot. So, yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again. Uh, if, if you're ready <laughs> before I'm, your next book, I'm ready. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. So thank you very much to Cooper S. Beckett. People go out and buy his books, read his books. They'll make you a better person. Buy your book, buy the books for your, for your family, for your mom, for your dad. Yeah. Uh, you, they'll love it. I promise. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll hear us talk to him more in the future. Yep. All right. Love y'all. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 